Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the CX Cast. My co-host today, Andrew Hogan. Hey, Andrew. Hello. Hi. And we are also joined today by Louis Angel Lalani, and he is the VP of Customer Listening at American Express, or Amex, as we colloquially call it. Hey, Louis. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Thanks a lot. Of course. So VP customer listening at American Express, is this a new role for you? I'm curious how you got here and whether it was the first of its kind at Amex. Yeah. So uh, I've been with American Express for 21 years. I joined right out of business school. Wow. Yeah. And I joined risk management, actually. So I spent the first 10 years of my career in risk management, working in various disciplines within risk, supporting different customer sets, ranging from consumer to small business, middle market. But you know, from the moment I joined American Express, I knew I wanted to take advantage of this organization with world-class marketing, world-class risk management, world-class finance. And so I thought like, hey, let's now's the time to go try a different part of American Express. So I moved to the servicing organization. And this is the, the part of Amex that manages all the operations, the call centers, etc. And my first role in the servicing organization was to build and run our global compliance monitoring program. So I was there for five years, um, first time in a global role, really you know interesting role. And then I moved to this role about six years ago to lead our voice of customer program. And in the six years that I've, I've been here, the roles expanded to include, like I mentioned, our transactional voice of customer program, complaints reporting, being the center of excellence for all customer-facing email surveys, and as well as, you know, kind of really championing the enterprise-level experience management discipline across American Express. So from risk management to customer servicing, that's a pretty big change. How have you sort of changed the CX role since you started it? It was interesting because when I, when I came into this role, it had been around for about 10 years. So Amex had a long history of, of CX before I even joined. So I walked into a well-established role with well-established processes and, and a deep impact on the culture of American Express. So I, I didn't have to fight for attention or, or build something from scratch. But the opportunity that came with joining a role that had been around for so long was that people were starting to question, what are we doing and why are we doing it? So like, what's the point of chasing ever higher scores? Is net promoter system still the right metric? So as, as a new leader in CX, I was faced with these fundamental questions. So I decided to do two things. You know, the first was to rethink our program. And the second was to to get the organization recommitted to the program and the goals around it. So I'll start with rethinking our program. My first stop there was to really look at technology. We had been with our original survey vendor for the entire time that we'd had our, our voice of customer program. And you know, over that time, the technology's improved, new vendors had popped up, new competitors. And so I thought it was time to explore other options on the market and see what we what we could do to find a flexible, efficient technology to help us with our program. We also had you know hundreds of dashboard users already. And so I took advantage of that that network across American Express, and uh, we brought those dashboard users into the vendor selection process. And so we took what could have been like a back office technology swap and made it a public event. You know, so we pulled in our stakeholders, we made sure they got listened to, make sure they actually got time with the different vendors to share what they were looking for, and it helped to energize kind of our, our partners around this this idea of like reimagining the program. Sure. So you're, you're taking it from this like sort of existential, why do we exist? What are we doing into a, a whole event? Yeah. 
And that's a smart move to make it something sort of bigger rather than just kind of making it happen behind the scenes. Yeah, it was exciting, like I said, to get that engagement and to get my stakeholders talking to partners and hearing directly from vendor partners, bringing their expertise and sharing ideas. So that went really well to kind of also signal to the rest of the organization that I was serious about potentially driving change and creating change in this program. And then the next piece of it, like I said, was to get the organization to recommit to the program and the goals. So as I mentioned, people were questioning you know, is this the right metric? What are we doing? So I decided to sit down with senior leaders and, and take them through some of this thinking. So at the time, customer effort score was gaining traction and people were thinking, oh, maybe we move away from NPS. Maybe we move to customer effort score. And I shared my point of view. There, there is no single perfect measure. I thought we wanted to pick the measure which best fit our vision of providing the world's best customer experience every day. And I laid out the different metrics on a spectrum from really, really narrow scope, like RepSat. You know, it's just very narrow, like did the rep make, you know, satisfy the customer to the broadest scope of like a brand NPS. And then we asked ourselves three questions about each metric. You know, the first is how much of this, what this metric measures is within our control. The second is what does metric say to our people? And the third was, what does metric say to other parts of the organization? And you know, I, I always use the um, rep satisfaction with the rep as, as a good example of what we were trying to do here. You know, is it within our control? Yes. Yeah. Agents all report up to us. We've got decent control over how, that experience they create. What does metric say to our people? It says we want to create great experiences. Uh, so that's, that's a nice thing. But the third one, I think it falls down on the third one of what does this metric say to other parts of the organization? If we said that's going to be our metric, that's what we're going to hold ourselves accountable to, then we're telling the organization that we're not here to create loyalty. We're not here to enhance the brand. We're here to create a satisfactory experience with the person talking, the rep talking to the customer. And that's not what we stand for. You know, we want to enhance the brand. We want to build loyalty. So we actually decided to stick with the metrics we had been using all along. So at the end of the day, nothing changed on the metric front. But the real positive of this was like we all recommitted and we understood what we were doing and why we were doing it and allowed us to move forward without distractions and questions of kind of the fundamentals of what we're doing. It sounds like a really thoughtfully designed approach that helped you to make the right choices and really lay it all out. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I love these questions. How much of what this measures is within our control? What does the metric say to our people? What does metric say to other parts of the organization? Those are great questions anyone can ask of their own program and help reflect on what they're doing and where they're going. Okay. So those are the fundamentals, but the reason you're here is because you have been advancing this. So, so what was next? So after we just, you know, made the decision to move to the new survey vendor and that obviously is a large undertaking. The next part was really about creating revolution, not evolution. And this, the revolution, not evolution came from one of our stakeholders who challenged us to not just incrementally improve the survey and the response rate, but to like create a step function improvement, like double our response rate. And so this became our mission, which was an exciting mission to really look at revolution, you know, not just evolution, not just tweaking at the margin. So we took what was our existing survey and we looked at every part of it from the email invite to the questions. And so we first thing we did is update the look and feel. The survey had been, the survey look and feel hadn't been changed in years and years and years. So like, oh, let's make it more modern, more inviting. The next, of course, is shorten the survey. You know, it's, it's a critical one. And we realized we had questions in there that had lost value over time. And we also had questions there where we realized we could use operational data 
to go find the answer to that. So that helped. We pulled out a lot of questions. And then so putting that together, you know, with the new look and feel, much sort of sur- shorter survey, um, we were able to surpass our goal and we increased response rates two and a half to three times, which is super exciting. It was another really powerful way to engage the organization around us as we marketed this change. And, you know, even before we did it, we emailed out the different options for emails. Like, oh, here are the different templates we're using. Let everyone kind of vote on their favorite. And then, of course, we did a test and then we shared with everyone like, oh, here was how your favorite actually did in, in real life. So it was, it was a neat way, again, to engage the organization in, in creating this change and getting excited about breathing life into a program that had been around for this point well over a decade. You're creating these events out of these things that otherwise could be relatively mundane. But I'm sure with the operational metrics, you found other people to engage. That's you know, another example, I think, of taking things you could just do and making them, you know, part of a, a group, group discussion, group event. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that, it made it, you know, fun and engaging for my team too, because they felt like, you know, we were, we were on a mission. We weren't just some, you know, doing some back office tweaks. Um, yeah, it was, it was an, definitely an exciting time. I can tell Andrew loves this because there is design going into the survey. It's not just, let's ask one question and leave it at that. Yep. I mean, you said it, Angelina, you said it. I, <laughs> I, I said didn't say it. it, you said it. I mean, I, I do. I do love the intentionality, Lewis, that you're that you're describing here. No, thanks. So, what happened next? So, the final piece that that we thought of, you know, we changed our external vendor, we changed the survey, so now it was time to tackle our internal technology and make that much more flexible and dynamic. And this this was probably the most back office you know, behind the scenes part of it. We didn't find any really great ways to market this other than to the technologists who appreciated what we were doing. But yeah, we moved it off of a mainframe batch process, moved it into our big data environment so we could trigger surveys with much richer data, be more precise about triggering, create more transparency in the process, lower cost to run, and just made us more nimble in the future. So that was kind of the third and final piece of of the transformation. And then it came time to leverage that, you know, we were able to leverage all of this flexibility that we've built into the survey to do some like interesting things, research as well, some fun things. You know, we added the customer care professional's name to the survey, just to the survey invite, you know, instead of saying our records indicate that you spoke with American Express, which seems very formal, you know, we're now able to say you spoke with Andrew. And that was an exciting change because it, it helped reinforce that you're speaking with a person when you call American Express. You know, I was, I was certainly worried when we did this about grade inflation, about the scores going up because now customers know they're, oh, I'm rating this person. But I think strengthening the the person-to-person connection that someone had was worth the trade-off. And, and so that was something we did. In addition, we started to add the ability to leave the care professional a compliment. So at the end of the survey, after you've answered all the questions, if you, you rated us a promoter, we pop up a little question, say, would you like to leave a compliment? And that caught on like wildfire internally, like internally as, as well as with customers. So we started that in Q4, a small pilot Q4 of 2019. And, and as of now, we have over 3 million compliments we've collected We've rolled it out to all functions, all markets that American Express does business in. When we get the compliment in, we automatically trigger an email to that care professional's team leader so they get to see it. Denise Pickett, the group president, sends her favorite compliments out every month in an email to the whole organization. And so it's it's really exciting. It's something we celebrate. I mean, when we hit 1 million, we celebrated that. So it's it's been both of those, like the, the, the first name in the survey, offering compliments are, are really neat ways that we were able to 
bring the survey to life. And again, strengthen that connection, you know, and the, and the compliments are really neat. We've got, you know, I forget the stats, but we've recorded like how many people want to hire the care professional? How many people want to buy them a drink? You know, how many people want to like, you know, give them a pat on the back? So it's been really neat to see the like the personal touch that uh, our customers leave for our care professionals. And yet more events. It's it's a theme. You've you've found ways to create little milestones, little events. And then I know it was a it sounds like it was something, you know, engaging the technologist wasn't necessarily like a goal. Yeah. But you know, they're pretty important when you need to implement something. Yep. And in the future even. So if you did something that made them happy, yeah. That sounds positive. Yep. Yeah. I also like that the the recognition program grew out of the measurement program. So it's yet another way you can measure the success of all of this and know how it's growing. So millions of compliments. It sounds like it's become routine to call out the favorite compliments. But how are you keeping leadership's interest when everything's going well, when metrics are starting from a good place? I mean, that's a, a lovely problem to have. I really I try to appreciate that every day. <laughs> you know, the first way I answer this is talking about how COVID upended us. And, in, and we've all heard a lot about how COVID upended a, a lot of different parts of business. But what we were able to do is we had so much change, so much uncertainty when COVID, particularly when it first hit. We had a lot of leaders wanting to know, like, oh, what are we hearing from customers? So we started proactively sending out weekly commentary files to an ever-growing list of leaders across the company. So it started with just the servicing organization where I sit today. Then we added leaders in marketing and finance and risk management. And we were pulling in at first compliments by theme, you know, COVID-related commentary. And we could hear what customers were talking about, how they felt, how they felt about our response to them and were we supporting them. And then from there, though, we just expanded to all compliments or a sample of all compliments. So we literally send out an enormous file with a handful of filters by product, by country, by theme. And, you know, I'd send these out to our leadership and I'd say, hey, you know, when you're having your morning coffee or morning tea, open it and read a random one or filter for what you're looking for. But it was a way to keep in, in a time of great uncertainty to keep that customer focus in front of people. Um, and we, out of it came neat opportunities. You know, as, as we're reading these customer comments, one of the ones that, that was stuck out to me or one of the themes I saw that stuck out to me was when customers say, I bet no one will read this. Or there's some customer who's taking their time to give us feedback. So they're they're gifting us their time, but yet they don't really believe it's going to lead to anything. And so when we noticed this theme, we went and pulled some stats like, oh, how many customers are saying this or something like it? And we found that it was a small number, but but not inconsequential. So we actually set up a process to also feed that into our closed loop process. So they weren't necessarily detractors or promoters or neutrals. We just pulled it out because they were questioning the value of why were they giving American Express that feedback. And uh, as you would expect, when we called these customers back, they were surprised and very appreciative that we took the time to read what they were writing and we got back to them. So that was another neat way to bring this to life and, and to benefit from all of this listening we were asking the organization to do. And the next thing we've done you know, to help like, continue to keep energy in, the, in our customer experience program is expanding the scope of stakeholders. You know, like, I, like I just said, this weekly email I sent out, we expanded the the beyond servicing to marketing risk finance. So we're doing the same thing with other different parts of our program. You know, so we launched new products, new features. We're making sure we get that back to the marketing group or the risk management group. So for instance, early on when COVID started impacting people's ability to pay, when people started losing jobs, Amex put some 
COVID relief efforts out there. And some of them were brand new, things we were just trying immediately. And so the feedback we were able to collect from the front lines in our VOC survey, we fed straight to risk management, which was not a practice we had in the past. And then risk management was able to take that feedback and tweak and adjust the offerings in real time to get back in front of the next customer who called. So it was really exciting. And it was obviously a stressful time for all of us, but it was exciting to get the organization excited about the customer feedback and acting on that feedback. And risk management came back into the story for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, it was <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was kind of fun to connect with some of my, my old colleagues who are still there and, and, you know, get them excited about customer feedback. And so the last couple of things, you know, I've been working on with the organization are, um, you know, coming into like right now, you know, our 20 or last fall, we were doing our 2022 planning. Again, it had been a while. We had some new leaders in the organization and they were starting to question some of the same things around like, is this the right beacon metric? Is it the right to chase ever higher scores? And so we were able to kind of refresh that exercise we did years ago with getting everyone to recommit to the metric and the why. And, and so that was, you know, I'd been in the role long enough, right? I knew like, oh, I know how to answer this and how to get people excited about it. And it worked. It was, it was a nice kind of quick exercise. It didn't create a lot of noise, but it was a nice way to ground everyone again, especially with some new leaders in the organization. And then the final batch that we're moving forward with are kind of two transformational ideas around modeling customer sentiment and pivoting to journey surveys. Now, journey surveys themselves, you know, they're not transformational, but in our American Express transactional survey program, it's been just that transactional. We haven't been as focused on the journey. We've been more focused on the service to customer care professionals providing. So journey for us is is an exciting new way to look at breaking down silos and, and cutting, you know, across different customer care professional experiences, et cetera. So that's something we're putting a lot of effort into right now, um, as well as modeling customer sentiment. So using and what does that mean? What does modeling customer sentiment mean? Yeah. So with that, we're we're using natural language processing and machine learning and the actual call recording and call transcript to model customer satisfaction. And so we're, we're modeling against our transactional survey. And the, the idea here is not to move away from the direct customer feedback, but to be able to free up the survey. Because if we can model customer satisfaction, then we can use that model for our individual level incentives and goals and metrics. And we can use the survey for more research for journey surveys, et cetera. So it feels like this is, you know, these two things, journey and set modeled sentiment are going hand in hand as we think of ways to learn more from the customer experience, from the customer journey, while providing high quality feedback to our frontline care professionals about the experience they're delivering every day. And the nice thing with modeled sentiment is we're not relying on a sample of return surveys. We're able to model every single phone call. So care professionals, you know, can go from you know, a few dozen surveys a month to hundreds of, you know, feedback on hundreds of phone calls a month. So it's an exciting area we're putting a lot of effort into right now. And it's, it's definitely very promising. Very cool. And I love hearing this revolution story, as you put it. I mean, there is some evolution there. It's clearly logical. What is the logical next step to continue this program to keep the organization engaged to to have actually to have deeper engagement from the organization over time. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. It's also cool to get an inside view of what they're doing at Amex. <laughs> so thanks for divulging those secrets to us. No, thanks very much. It's uh, it's been a, a great ride, and I look forward to you know more to come. Of course. Well, Lewis, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate the time that you gave us. Thank you. And thanks everyone else for joining the CX cast as always until next time. <laughs>